friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. Hello, friends. Welcome to the neighborhood. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, my name is Chris. I am one of the pastors at Neighborhood, and we are coming to you live from the cabin. I hope everyone is well. It's a, uh, it is a weekend kind of church, a holiday weekend kind of church. Jasmine, it's good to have you. We had some uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry for uh, being late, but it's good. I talked to the camera for like three minutes, and I'm like, I don't think this is working, and. I got to process everything I was feeling in that moment. <laughs> Good, now there's people. Now there is actual people streaming on. As you can see, I am live from uh, from Chitek, Wisconsin. It is our, hey, cheers to this, right? Cheers to our very last fully remote service. We are gonna continue to have um, a stream. Good morning, Jasmine. We're gonna continue to have an online presence. Um, but this will be our last one. This is month, I think, 16 that we've done this. 16 months. <laughs> Other than stay married, I don't know what I've done that long for 16 months before. <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> and sadly, my uh, my partner, was Nikki, was supposed to be here. Um, but uh, one of our kids got sick, and so they had to run home. And so you just get me. And Nikki was, hi Anita, it's nice nice to see you, friend. Uh, Nikki was gonna do the worship and uh, I could do in the garden. I know that him from doing the, <laughs> leading at the um, nursing homes, they, they're big fans of that song. Um, but instead, you were gonna have like the world's shortest service, which is everyone. There's two things people love, right? About, uh, they love a short wedding and they like a short service. So uh, we can do it. And I have like all my niece and nephews here I'm with all my um, siblings and my sister and brother-in-laws and my parents. So uh, we're in a very small cabin. So uh, someone's gonna walk in with their swimsuits like, I gotta change. And it's, it's, it's gonna be an experience. It's gonna be fun. So if you uh, are new to our community, uh, you can find out more about who we are at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Um, there you can find out um, all the things that are happening. We have a blog, all, all that fun stuff. Um, and also, if you would like to give the Neighborhood Church, you can do that um, online. You can do that on our program, which Bree so 
Um, thank you, Bree, for doing that on a holiday weekend. Um, you can find our program in our, if you're watching on Facebook, on our thread. If not, you can go to our website. And our program will have um, a, 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 all the information. There's no lyrics to sing because we're not singing today. But um, you can find out more about things. Like I told you, my son wants to, uh, he's just waving at me through the window. And I don't know. Hey, Max, you want to come say hi to the whole entire church? Want to say hi? Come in quick. We're doing church, like I told you. If you come in here, there, there's, there it is. Hi. <laughs> right. Like he was, he's like, are you really doing it, Dad? I gotta see. Um, so uh, I'm going to start a message very, very early today, and it's funny. What we're gonna be reading about is a story. One of my favorite. You want to shut the door, Max? Really? Thanks, bud. Uh, it's one of my um, favorite uh, characters of the Bible of all time. And Sarah, you're camping in southern Minnesota. Well, I'm camping in, well, kind of cabining in southern Wisconsin. So this story, um, we find Genesis 14, is one of my absolute favorites. And I, it's one of my favorites, so I just think I talk about it so much. I'm like, when's the last time I actually talked about this? So I went on, and it's one of the very last messages that we gave before we went uh, remote. And I thought, oh, this is fitting. I felt inspired by the story as a way of saying, um, we didn't know we we're going to go remote, but around that time, and I'm giving it as we are done being with remote. And I imagine like you, like I am at this cabin with um, all my all my family. There's 24 of us, 25 of us, and all the adults and most of the kids are vaccinated and it's, it's awesome, it's alive, but it feels like we're kind of cheating a little bit, right? It's like, oh, this is like what we used to do. This is what we did several summers ago and it is so incredibly life-giving and we're starting to move back to more i don't like using the word normal but we're going back to things that are um part of our that we're part of a rhythm part of our lived normal expression experiences maybe some of you are traveling again right maybe some of you are going back to the office and some of you are like yeah and some of you're like mm, like my buddy my buddy who works in his been working his closet for the last 16 months <laughs> <laughs> like going back to the office might be good, might be dif different, right? I'm like, for, I don't know about anyone else, but me walking into a place without a mask, I have a little bit of anxiety. And I'm like, are, am I, am I, is someone going to tackle me? Am I going to go to jail? And like, just to get into that rhythm of like, oh no, it's safe for me to do this. This is, we can begin to start doing this again. It's like going back into normal. And the story that we're about to read, um, there's all this craziness happening, right? So I'm gonna give you caught up. The story is of Abram, who ends up being Abraham. Um, and we find the story in Genesis, uh, let me pull it up here, Gen I should know this, Genesis 14. And what's happening before this with Abram is that two of his sons start this like battle with each other and it like envelops more and more people. So there's like the, these wars and there's people dying. Um, they find this newfound technology of where they're able to put stone and meld it together, right? Bind it together uh, and build this tower, right? Like using some sort of cement, some bonding agent, and they build this tower towards heaven. Of course, people who use technologies only to advance the human cause, said no one. <laughs> they use it for war, to own, to bring power and destruction to other people. And this is after... God looked at the human race and said, "These they're deplorable. I can't stand these people. And God kills everyone with the flood, minus one family, uh, Noah, right? This is after it. And why did God have such deep resentment towards the human race? Well, because we were doing things like war and killing and owning and uh, taking ownership over other people. And God's like, that's not how we do things. And did we learn a lesson? No, no, not, not really, because we keep doing it, right? 
And um, uh, there's uh, Abram has this moment with God and, and where they build this covenant. It's amazing. Then something happens. In Genesis 14, there's these kings and the kings get together like, hey, maybe we should like bring destruction on these other kings. Like, yeah, that's what kings do, right? So they start this war with other kings and these kings win. And when you win, you take everything. You take the property, you take people, you take kids, you take women, you take the men. And that's just um, the spoils of war, right? That was just accepted, except they did one thing. They took Abram's nephew, Lot. And Abram was, you know, like heard about and he's like, okay, you got to draw a line somewhere. So Abram does what any good patriarch of the family does. He gets his buddies together and they, I don't, they don't have horses. They hop on their, their things. They walk, they, whatever they go to this land of these Kings. And he wages war against these Kings that just wage war against someone else. And imagine this, they win. Abram takes everything back, gives the people back, gets his nephew back. And now he's going back to what is normal. He's going back to his lived experience. He goes back to what he knows to be true. Right? And as he's in that journey, he comes across this valley. It's the Valley of the Kings. And he's waiting for another king. And what he finds is this random king. And it's a king of Salem or what it would be the king of righteousness. And this king is not just a king. He's also a priest. And he's a priest of the uh, Most High God. And this priest's name is Mechizedek. Favorite character in the Bible. Minus Jesus. Right? And the reason I love it, because it's completely random. Completely random. We don't know anything about this king. We don't know anything about this priest. It only comes up in the Bible in Psalms, and it comes up in Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews goes out of their way to communicate that um, Jesus is in the line of this kind of priest, this this priest of Melchizedek, which is a very uh, high honor. And so what does this priest do? He welcomes Abram, prepares a table, brings up food, brings up wine, and he blesses them. And this is what... This is what Mechizedek, this is what he says. Genesis 14, uh, verse 18. The Mechizedek, king of Salem, which means righteousness, brought one, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the reason that I love this story is when you just read it, and in our context, in our, we're like, yeah, 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 some guy, some priest blessed Abram, like, we're happy for it, right? But here, here's why this is a big deal. Just two chapters before this is when God blesses Abram, and God makes this covenant, he makes this pact, and he says, Abram, through your people, through your tradition, through your story, I'm going to bless the entire world. The entire world's going to know what it means to be human and what it means to be in relation with the divine. Like through you, we're going to be a blessing to the entire world, which is very different because other tribes, other groups, their whole idea wasn't to be a blessing to the rest of the world. It was to kill, destroy, and take like what they did with um, Abram's nephew. We're going to destroy you and take everything and we're going to colonize everywhere we go because that's how we gain wealth. That's how we gain power. And God says, well, you're going to be a different people. This is through Abram. Two chapters later, Abram is in the desert. He's in this valley. And all of a sudden, there is a priest. And what does Abram do? Uh, what seminary did you go to? Can we talk about atonement theory? What is your, uh, what's your position on uh, uh, conscious torment for all eternity? Right? What is your dogma? What's your statement of faith? No, 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 no. Abram receives 
the blessing. And Abram could have just said, no, 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 I'm the one who gives the blessing. Did you not read just two chapters before this, Melchizedek? Right, like I'm a big deal. God talks to me. And what we find is somehow, somewhere in a different group, a different people, a different expression, God was already speaking to them. Why? Because there's a priest of this God most high. He, this is a priest, a king of righteousness. And it comes out of nowhere. So it begs the question of the authors of Genesis intentionally, right, intentionally leave this story in there because they want us to know of whatever this story, this tradition that Abraham or Abram, eventually Abraham is going to be is a beautiful story. But there's also another story. There's another expression. There is another uh, view. There's another way of knowing who this God is. And I love that story. And I'm not going to be the pastor. It's like, like we were like Abram at war with COVID right now. Like, great. But Abram was going out of his way in something he did not plan, something he not expected, going back to what he knew. And in that journey of going back to what he knew, he is surprised by a stranger. He's surprised by this table. He's surprised by this blessing. And so the people who, when I talk to, and like, I love, I love being a Christian. I do. I love it. I love the Bible. When people hear that, they're like, oh, the Bible's so narrow-minded. Christians are so narrow-minded. First, I acknowledge and say, yes, however you have experienced the Bible and maybe the expression of Christianity is presented to you maybe was narrow-minded. When you go back to this story of the Bible and where these authors didn't see that this different expression, this different way of knowing this God wasn't um, a threat at all. Like this throws open of who the divine is. This throws open of who and how we read the Bible into this mystic, wide open space. And I love it because this is the kind of God that I know. This is what I know to be um, the, the Bible. The Bible is messy. The Bible is uh, incredibly, uh, now my family's taking pictures of me. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving a message. <laughs> they think it's a this is what I love about the Bible, that it is wild, it is human, it is complicated, it is beautiful, and it is inspiring. And here we have a story of a random priest in a random place blessing the guy who just got blessed, who's going to bless the entire world. He goes, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bless you. So it makes, me, it makes me, like, a couple takeaways. During COVID, how many of the tables did you sit at? As you were forced to pause, as you were forced to, like, take a break, as you were forced to... Um, do a different kind of life? What were those things that were inspiring to you? What were those things that you've learned? What were things that you didn't plan on, you know, working in the closet that you found true, that were like, that helped you, that were beautiful to you? Now, how can we continue to take those with us as we go back to our normal, as we go back to our normal rhythms? It also made me think, how many of those tables have we missed? How many things have we said, no, this is what it means to be good or this is what it means to be um, safe. This is what it means to be you know, holy, this is what I, I know where life is. This is why I know what love is, right? It's like, how many of those places have we said, no, that's, God doesn't live there. God can't speak to me through that thing or that person or those people because we just say, no, no, I, I, I got on lockdown. I know what I'm doing. Like for me, I have um, been so inspired by things and by people that I wasn't anticipating. Like one of them, like I, I there was a time in life where I, would have identified as a very charismatic or Pentecostal, right? And for a lot of reasons, I had to lay some of those things down. Uh, I've seen it be manipulative. I've seen it um, not always positive. And I read this book by Sarah Bessie, who is a Pentecostal through and through. And through reading her story where she 
had these two priests in the Vatican walk up to her, not knowing her, and like gave her this, I'm using quotations if you're listening to this and not watching, right? And gave her this prophecy. And it totally changed her life. They had no idea and they read her mail. And I, when I finished the book, I put it down, I'm like, oh, maybe there's some things that I put down because they were um, harmful to me, right? And maybe I could pick those back up. Maybe I can, maybe God can imagine to still speak to me through prophecy, right? And that word, even I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, it has all these feelings, to, but I believe it. And Jordan Selberg and I had this amazing conversation, um, man, a little while ago, talking about what if those things that we held to be true, that we now are maybe more cautious or suspicious of, what if we could like, for ourselves, right? Redeem those. What if we could pick back up and use it in a healthy, flourishing way? Just because we had to take a break for something doesn't mean that it's bad. That's like one of those tables. That was like a McKislick moment for me. I've learned from, um, I was in Evanston, which is just outside of Chicago, north of Chicago, and I got lost. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this huge temple. And if you've ever been to Evanston, there's a, um, a Baha'i temple there. There's only a couple in the world. And it is, architecturally, it is gorgeous. It is, it is inspiring. Well, it led me to learn more about the Baha'i faith and read. And then I met um, a couple of uh, people who followed Baha'i faith and they were my teachers, friends. I learned so, I learned so much from them. And when, when we think of people, humanists, I learned so much from activists and humanists who deeply, deeply love the people in their towns, who deeply believe in the flourishing and liberation of people. Whenever we think in my tradition, my known experience, this is where God is, this is where truth is, this is where inspiration is, or even when we think about what you read or what you watch or what kind of art you like, and once we're willing to like open up, what if like there could be something more? I mean, even as willing <laughs> trying new food, right? I, I like all of it belongs. And we say, no, I only like this. I can only eat this and I will not try. When we limit ourselves from new experiences and we say, this is the only way it can be, we're missing out on those tables over there could be a priest of the most high, right? There could be a king of righteousness. There can be a king, a place of inspiration and growth. And I really believe that the whole world can be our teacher. I wasn't going to speak on this, but I had a moment of when I talk about like, um, when we talk a couple weeks, we talk about inclusion means that we start a place of believing people, that everyone belongs. Like, that's not a bit. I really believe that. <laughs> and I had, I was, we're refinancing and I was working with our bank or our mortgage company that we've had our previous mortgage with. Um, and I found out that it was not a positive experience. Right, I, I randomly went to a, just a different mortgage company to see if I get a different rate, and I saved um, uh, a couple thirteen, fourteen thousands of dollars, and went back to my bank, and I said, "So you you didn't give me the best rate? Like, well, Chris, you know we gave you the best deal we can give you today. I'm like, meaning, you did not give me the best deal you can, and they kept dancing on this issue. I'm like, they were playing me, <laughs> they totally took advantage of me, and and the reason I'm bringing that up is that when you start at a place of like, I'm really going to believe people, there's some tables that maybe we need to leave behind, <laughs> right? And there's other places, other ways of where we can be inspired and we can grow. But, but it made me think of by me doing that, how many other tables should I have walked away from? How many, I should start the conversation, believe, trust, and then just moved on, right? I, I, I imagine there's a lot that I probably should move on quicker than the others. But where I want to leave you with two things is like, be willing to be surprised, be open-minded, be willing to hear people's stories, be willing to 
uh, see God and receive the blessing from unexpected places, especially as we go back. Like we're going back to in-person next week. I can't wait to see everyone. I can't wait. It's been um, not just hard, it's been lonely. Like I'm, I'm glad to be done looking at a camera like this. You get to still see me on a camera. I just won't be this, I won't be this close to you anymore, right? <laughs> um, but I've learned a lot, but I can't wait to be with everyone. But where I leave you finally is this. At the end, it says that Abram took the bread, took the wine, received that blessing, and then he gave a tenth. And why would you give a tenth of your possessions to this random priest? Because that's what you do when you engage with God. When you see something that inspires you, you can't help but give. When you see something that moves you, you can't help but give. And it could be a giving of a word. When I see something beautiful, when I'm alone, right? <laughs> when I see like some, like a sunset or I'm in Jay Cook or uh, like our state park or I'm coming over Proctor Hill I, and I see something inspiring, I will say, thank you, God, or I love you, God, because I can't help it. I feel like it demands some sort of response. Um, and that's just what you do when you experience deep love. You give yourself to it. And this is why uh, Nikki and I, my partner and I, this is why we give to Neighborhood Church. Because we experience God through you. Through, and I can't wait to see you, right? I, we, through your wisdom, through your strength, through your stories, through your laughter, through your grieving, uh, through your, uh, <laughs> through your, uh, Chris, does that really, what does that really mean? Through those questions, right? All of it. We are inspired and we are better off of it. And so we give to neighbor church because we believe in it and we see God in it. And the church is you. It's not the building, it's you. So friends, that is it. I am going to um, turn off our final only remote distant service. And honestly, to all those who have continued to watch and to listen, um, it's been, it's been really good. I have grown, I have learned, and I really, I really love this church. And I really love this community. So thank you for the last 16 months um, watching my extreme close-up, <laughs> watching me stumble through things, um, listening to me process on camera because I have no idea if people are responding to it or not, <laughs> um, and walking through my anxiety. The first three months, I was an um, incredibly anxious person, and I got to process all that with you. So you have been um, a gift. You've been a gift to me, and um, I'm better for it. So thank you for being the church. Thank you for inviting me to that table. And there is something good and beautiful for us as we move forward. I love you, friends. Have a great rest of your weekend. Cheers.